When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Just go ahead and introduce yourself and uh, tell us who you are and, and talk about your dog life journey. Yeah, okay. Um, oh, look, I haven't really prepared much, but I, I can give you a, a little bit of a, I suppose, some sort of thumbnail sketch on on myself. I'm, my name's Alex Christick. I, I live uh, in Melbourne in, in the state of Victoria in Australia, and i um, I'm a, I'm a professional hunter, <clears throat> and uh, that's pretty well what got me involved with Yark Terrier, or German hunting terriers, um, I suppose a couple of decades ago now, but uh, I, um, you can tell by my surname that um, I'm, I'm, a, I'm of Serbian background, and uh, I was fortunate enough to make contact with some hunters in Serbia as I do with other hunters, you know, in other places of the world, including the US. And uh, we were discussing dogs in general, uh, in particular, you know, Deutsche Drahthaas and German Whitehead Pointers, etc. <clears throat> and uh, the guys kept re- making reference to these little terriers, these Yark Terriers, uh, which, uh, <clears throat> pardon me, aroused my interest. And eventually, I, I wound up going to Serbia to uh, to see these dogs and meet the guys that had them, and uh, it was a definite eye opener, I've got to say. And uh, as a result of all of that, I wound up um, importing a number of dogs from uh, from Europe uh, here to Australia, and uh, and you know, pro- pretty well establishing the breed in this part of Australia. Wow. <clears throat> we use we use the dogs through my work extensively as um, you know as as hunting dogs or, or uh, sometimes they're referred to as conservation dogs and where we hunt uh, introduced vertebrate uh, predators like uh, like foxes which are introduced into Australia uh, feral cats and various other animals that are that are a problem here. And the Arc Terriers, due to their um, extremely high prey drive and, uh, and other good features, um, fit the bill very well for that sort of work. So uh, they, they started life off as working dogs here for us, but I use them for recreational hunting as well. And we hunt um, we hunt Samba deer here with them, probably similar to how many people in the US would use hounds. But yeah, you know, down in the southern part of the US, to use hounds to hunt whitetail, and uh, you know black bear and and uh, and uh, cougar. We use terriers here for that. We also have hounds for the same purpose, but the terriers are very popular amongst hunters here as well. So that, in, in a nutshell, I use the dogs both uh, professionally and recreationally um, as as working dogs and as um, and as hunting companions. I've been very fortunate to to make some very good friends in the US, who um, 
who also have some, some outstanding Yark Terriers or German hunting terriers. And we've, we're, uh, we've got a mutual um, arrangement where we, uh, we exchange bloodlines and pedigrees, etc., uh, to, to improve the breeds, the breed both in, um, in the US and, and in this part of the world. Well, from Australia to the US, it's not a major issue. Um, we, we don't have uh, uh, diseases such as rabies here or, or you know, um, or leash mania and other, all those other sorts of exotic diseases that, that pose an issue for quarantine purposes, as they do here in Australia. So it's not difficult to, to transport a dog, or paperwork-wise, of course. Mm-hmm. It's not difficult to transport a dog or, or frozen um, semen to the US. Mm-hmm. The other way around, however, uh, is significantly more complicated. And uh, we need to go through a, um, a six-month process in order to uh, ensure that we don't bring in um, yeah, pathogens such as rabies and other similar things into Australia, mm-hmm. which is the... F- we're just a big island here. and. Uh, at this stage, we're sort of uh, we haven't had any issues with those exotic diseases. And if we did get them here, it would it would destroy our uh, our agriculture. I've, look, um, Yark terriers aren't the only breed of, of dogs I have. I have I have a number of breeds. Mm-hmm. Um, we have Deutsch Drahthaars, which are. Um, I've got to be careful what I say here. There's a lot of political issues that arise from Deutschstrata. They're also known as German wire hairs or German wire hair pointers. Mm-hmm. The only the major difference is, is the ones that, that are referred to as Deutschstrata are the ones that are registered in Berlin under the Verein Deutschstrata organisation. They're, they're a versatile hunting dog that, that are very, very popular in the US and Europe. And, and they're becoming more and more popular here in Australia. They're, they're very, very, very good dogs for what we do. But um, yeah, they don't they don't have it all. They're, they're a versatile hunting dog. And, uh, you know, there's other dogs that we need to do other work with. So that's why we also have hounds. And the hounds I refer to, uh, dogs you'd be familiar with, I suppose, is... Uh, the number of coon hounds that you have over in the US, you know, blue ticks, mm-hmm. English, plots, uh, walkers, uh, and all those other red bones and all those other fantastic dogs. And we, we have a few of those here as well. So um, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a menagerie of dogs that we have here, but they've all got their little jobs that they need to do. And, uh, we're lucky enough to have enough room to keep them here and uh, breed some good working examples of these dogs. Yeah, yeah, Terriers, the, the, Germ- the Germans, with all due respect to the Germans, um, they're really, really good at, uh, at uh, perfecting things. You know, they, they make outstanding cars, um, outstanding weapon systems, and, um, and they breed outstanding dogs, so they're perfectionists. Um, when, when they decided to breed um, a small versatile hunting terrier in Germany back uh, uh, in the early 1900s um, their goal was to breed a small versatile dog that they could use for pretty well everything um, but it had to be German 
So the first thing they did is they went over to England and got some fox terriers and uh, various other breeds of terriers and then refined the breeding. This is, this is a, a very condensed version of what happened. Right. But they refined the breeding down to um, a number of individuals which featured the, the, the black and tan colour but with a very, very high, high drive uh, and it possessed all of the relevant qualities that the Germans were looking for. And over, over several decades, they, they came up with the Yark Terrier, or J-A-G-D, the Jag Terrier, as referred to in Australia. And um, that was their versatile hunting terrier. They set up a testing system where these dogs were tested and only the dogs that qualified in all of the tests all the relevant tests were allowed to be bred from and they um, they culled very heavily so anything that didn't make the grade was culled mm-hmm. so the, the breed was basically made up of a number of English type, English type terriers and um, some Irish, Irish, Irish bred terriers as well and then they, they condensed it down to um, what we see today and they're breeding they breed true to type here and in and in Europe uh, and obviously in the US as well, but you, you, they do they do have their little idiosyncrasies as well. You've got you know various different uh, um, body shapes, um, you know coats things like that. But the, they they need to comply with the standard. Those that comply with the standard are used to breed with. Those that don't obviously aren't. So you can look at ten different Yark Terriers from different breeders or different parts of the world and they all look like different dogs but they all comply with um with the standard they've got to comply with the standard and could you talk about that uh, standard well um i suppose i could but you you need to understand that my my um my interest in these dogs isn't so much for the showing of the dogs or, or their um uh, or their, their, their you know, appearance mm-hmm. per play, it's, it's pretty well wholly and solely for performance. Mm-hmm. And, um, and the, these, these dogs, even though they all comply with the standard and fit in with the criteria that is set down by the standard, and yet the, the standard's easier to find. It's a, your, the American Kennel Council has it, the, the FCI has it, um, obviously, and, um, it basically goes through each, as with any other breed, there's, there's you know, standard colorings, the standard heights, uh, shapes, um, features that they're looking for. Um, much of that, as we all know, is open to interpretation. Mm-hmm. But one thing that's not open to interpretation is the dog's ability to do what it's bred to do. And um, I've been, um, I suppose, struck off a lot of Christmas card lists here in Australia for, uh, for for being critical of dogs that can't do what they're supposed to be able to do. Mm-hmm. And I, I, don't, I don't make any excuses for that. Um, you know, you, if you've got a terrier, it's got, to, it's got to think and act like a terrier. If it doesn't do that, well, it's not really a terrier, is it? No. Yeah. It, it, may have, it may have the outside appearance of being one, but it's got to be able to. It's got to be able to cut the mustard in the field, mm-hmm. and that's that's pretty well what it's all about. You know, 
The good thing about yak terriers is they've got all of that, plus they've got an exceptionally uh, good nose. Um, they're really, really good in water as well, and um, they're, just, they're a pretty good all-round dog. You know, they're, they're a good dog to keep in the house and have it as a, have it as a pet as well. But they, first and foremost, are a hunting dog. And there's look, there's a lot of politics tied up around yeah, terriers, etc. You know, with with what's happening in Europe, and I suppose in the US now, with all this animal rights stuff going on, um, many of the dogs can't be tested to the standards that are set down under the German Breed Club, where the dogs need to be exposed to wild game and what they call sharp game. Mm-hmm. That can't happen in uh, most countries. Um, the Eastern Europeans seem to be, um, what's the diplomatic line of saying, is less um, less concerned about the uh, proprieties, I suppose. Mm-hmm. And they, they still test these dogs for the things that they're supposed to be able to do. So if the dog, if the dog doesn't uh, tick all the boxes, uh, they they've got no time for them. Hence, uh, only the... Only the best dogs um, are used for breeding. So you've got dogs that come from places like Serbia, from the Ukraine, and various other Eastern Bloc countries that are, that are from the real McCoy. These are the real thing. Mm-hmm. They're not um, third and fourth generations of dogs that have never really been tested. And uh, that's usually reflected in, the, in how they behave in the field as well. well it's, look, it's not so much the, the look. The dogs have to be... Um, They've, they've got to be physically as good as they can possibly be. So you, you, don't, you don't want a dog that's going to fall apart after being in the field for a couple of hours. You, right. you need a dog that can hack it out there in the field. And to do that, it needs to be set up properly. Its feet need to be good. Uh, its general conformation needs to be good. They need to be well-muscled, not over-muscled. They need to be fit, flexible, strong and athletic. Um, they need to have all the standard good features, nice straight bone, good muscle tone, good teeth, good eyes, all of those things that we look for when we, um, when we breed dogs for, for performance. And uh, you know, to, use, to use pit bulls as an example, you know, they're, they're probably a classic situation. Uh, racing greyhounds, whippets, hounds, they're all dogs that are bred uh, with their, their confirmation set down to ensure that uh, they can physically do what they need to do to perform their role out in the field. Look, the whole, as far as I'm concerned, and look, you know, I'm not a, uh, I don't don't breed dogs for, you know, for the market, I suppose, or for Mm -hmm. the trendy pet market, but my, my goal is to breed the best possible performance dogs I can breed. Mm Uh, to be able to do what it is that they're supposed to be able to do to conform with what their, uh, I suppose, their originators intended. Mm-hmm. Um, the dogs can't do that. I'm doing something wrong. Right. And, and if my breeding program is open to the interpretation of show judges who have never done anything with these dogs in the field, um, I'm, 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 I'm concerned. These dogs need not only to to be a thing which is beautiful to look at, but they need to be functional. Mm-hmm. No different to your to your motor car, you know, mm-hmm. or your vehicle. You know, if you if you, you have a car, it's got to it's got to look nice, but it's also got to be able to do those things that the cars are supposed to do. Right. 
uh, or a rifle or any anything else like that. You know, they, they, they've got to be aesthetically pleasing to look at. They've got to have good balance. They've got to be well designed, and they've got to be able to perform a function. If you can't do one of those things, um, you need to re revisit your breeding program. Can you talk about like the uh, what sets the Jag Terrier apart from other terriers its size? Oh, uh, look, the Jag Terriers are, are really they're they're a good old fashioned terrier, good old fashioned hunting dog with a very very high prey drive. They're somewhere between the size of a fox terrier and a Jack Russell terrier in size. Um, an adult male would go up to. You know, around 20 pounds in the in US US speak. Mm -hmm. In Australian speak, it's about 10 kilos, maybe a little bit more. And mm -hmm. a female's probably, you know, probably 10 or 15% less than the males. Um, as I said, they're extremely versatile. They're very, very smart dogs. Um, and they're also at the risk of um, sounding. Uh, I suppose, uh, yeah, they're also game, and the, the word game in the dog world is opens up a can of worms, but right. uh, they are, you know, most people will live their whole life and they'll never see a game dog, mm -hmm. and they'll probably never get the opportunity to see a game dog, but, um, but yark terriers and terriers of that type do have that very, very deep um, gameness that um, you don't, that is rarely seen. And, uh, it's probably good that most people don't see what real gameness is, but uh, mm -hmm. <clears throat> it's something that's, uh, that's highly prized amongst various terrier people. Mm -hmm. And the, your general garden variety pet owner, doesn't, it doesn't really matter if uh, Fido is not going. As long as he sits on the couch and eats his uh, eats his treats, is pretty good. But to a, to a uh, to, to somebody who uses dogs to work, um, it's a very important thing to have. You need a dog that that um, it, it has got that uh, that gameness that I talk about. Mm -hmm. It's a very prickly subject, gameness. Not a, not a simple one to talk about. What it boils down to is the beauties in the eyes of the beholder. Mm -hmm. I know that there are a lot of people out there that will breed yak terriers to be pets and they'll breed dogs that haven't got that high game or high prey drive and they'll have them to look pretty and sit around in their cars and around their homes and it's a lovely thing. But um, that's never going to happen in my yard, you know. Mm -hmm. The dog need to be able to do those things that that they're bred to do, and unfortunately, many of the magnificent breeds that we have have fallen into the hands of the show people. There'll be a hue and cry over this for sure. <laughs> mm -hmm. Fall into the hands of the show people that don't really care about any of that performance stuff. Mm -hmm. They man, they care about appearance, and that that's a shame. Mm -hmm. I, I don't like to see, you know, the breeds go down the avenue that many of the fantastic breeds have gone down. Mm -hmm. we, we're losing performance dogs, you know, every year. There's a somebody who looks for an excuse to um, 
to stop using dogs for those things that they're bred to do. So, you know, hunting and testing and field trials and all that sort of stuff is under threat on a daily look at the papers anywhere. Uh, there's there's always somebody trying to stop it from happening. Um, that does come at the expense of breeding good dogs. Huh. It, um, as I say, um, the people that bred the the Arc Terrier um, bred it for a specific purpose, and there are a number of people within the canine community that that are desperately maintaining that that versatile. Uh, terrier traits or those versatile terrier traits and, um, and thank, uh, thankfully they, um, they're they not going to stop and uh, I think that uh, you'll find that um, as soon as the, the practical applications are no longer relevant for these breeds, the breeds will die out and they'll fall into the hands of the people who breed them to to look like stuff, you know, right. not, not too much, you know. Mm-hmm. What, what would be the difference between a patter tail and, and, a, and a jag terrier as far as uh, workability in, uh, in, in the field? We haven't, we haven't got enough time to discuss that <laughs> today. But one thing I will say is, um, look, patter tail terriers are probably, as far as sticking a hole, sticking a dog down a hole, with a critter and getting him to to grab that critter and kill it and drag it out, a Patternale Terrier is pretty hard to beat. Mm-hmm. You know, where a Yark Terrier is more of a versatile terrier. You know, you, they'll do that work as well, but you can also use the same dog for other things, which is you know like for blood tracking work, for you know uh, retrieval work, mm-hmm. for that more versatile applications. Where where Patterdales are, they're digging dogs. You you go you go over to the UK, the, you know, in that what they they call it the Lakeland district. Mm-hmm. You want to see Patterdale terriers? You get if you can get somebody to take you out and show you what they can do, you you know exactly what they're expert at. So they're a very job specific dog, as opposed to a Yark terrier, which is more of an all round type of terrier. Mm-hmm. The good thing with yak terriers on wild boar is, um, you know, a, a lot of guys use big dogs here for wild boar to catch them by the ear and hold them, mm-hmm. which is fine, but it usually results in a lot of suturing for the dogs and injuries and stuff like that. But the terriers tend not to, 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 to bite them and hang on to them. They tend to sort of pull them up and bay them, mm-hmm. which uh, they make, they drive that dog insane they're worse than a nagging wife you know they get in there and they bark at them and make them turn around and you know just just bay them up and pull them up and uh, that's the best way to catch pigs with uh, with a terrier and i've got a lot of friends in uh, in europe that hunt european wild boar which makes the feral pigs in uh, America and Australia look like powder puffs, you know. Really? These, these European things are the real McCoy. Okay. They, they, they kill dogs without even batting an eyelid. Yeah. So you, you don't want a dog that's going to stand toe-to-toe with this thing. You need a dog that's going to be able to be quick on its feet and move around these things and keep them busy so the hunter can get in there and do what he's got to do. Uh-huh. The Arcterias are 
are masters at hunting European wild boar. That's one of the reasons they were bred. Mm -hmm. German, most of Germany is covered by forest, and all those forests are full of European wild boar. Right. So well, I've never, I've never seen yark terriers used to hunt white-tailed deer, but we, we use them here on samba deer, which are, are, are much bigger than white-tailed. They're about the size of an elk. Okay. And they, um, they're introduced into Australia by sporting people back in the 1860s, and um, for whatever reason, you know, to, to provide hunting opportunities for, for hunters. But they've got to the stage now where they're outnumbering the um, they're outnumbering you know a lot of our native wildlife and actually becoming a major problem we use we use yark terriers very similar to how you would use hounds over there to to find and flush these deer out to waiting guns mm -hmm. so basically you set the hunt up where you've got hunters in you know set up in the spots where you reckon the deer is going to cross and you stick the terriers in there and they make them move in towards where the guns are and we shoot the deer. That's um, pretty well how it works. Mm -hmm. The terriers, as opposed to hounds, they're much smaller and they can, they're fantastic at get, getting through really heavy cover, what you call brambles. Brambles over there, I suppose, that would probably be a good example where you physically, it's very difficult to walk through and it's very difficult for large dogs to move through. The terriers just get through it like mm -hmm. a like a yeah yeah, yeah. look the, the confirmation was that these things are put together very well i've got um i've got dogs or frozen semen that i've used from dogs that, that have been uh that have come from texas and new mexico right and, uh, you, know, you know the temperatures there are not that dissimilar to the temperatures we have here it's, it's a matter of conditioning the dog to the to the relevant temperatures and they they can operate quite well it's no different to conditioning hunters to the temperatures as well you know right. if you're going to go hunting in alaska you go you go you get up there and you acclimatize yourself and you'll be able to hunt okay mm -hmm. if you're going to go from florida to alaska expect things to be cool it's not going to work that way is it no same, same applies to dogs right could you talk about the different coats that the Jag Terrier has? Well, they've got, they, they go from what you would refer to as a smooth, pretty well a smooth coat, which is a, it's a fairly heavy, harsh sort of coat. Mm -hmm. And then they go through to broken coated, which is like an in-between sort of coat. Mm -hmm. So they're pretty, they're, they're good at, you know, busting through heavy cover and brambles and thorns and things. It protects the dog. And then you get through dogs with, that have got slightly longer hair, which is a really bushy, rough sort of coat. Um, look, if you go to my website, or if, if, you, if, you had, if you go to our Facebook page, Sam and Man Kennel's Facebook page, you'll see examples of all the different mm -hmm. the coat lengths. Um, look, the length of the coat really doesn't make a whole lot of difference. Mm -hmm. I don't. You know, we we get we get sub freezing temperatures in some of the places we hunt here in the winter, and we get. Uh, 100 degree plus days in the summer so not that we hunt the dogs much in the summer we have we have some fairly deadly snakes around and terriers have got a bad habit of trying to kill snakes when they find them mm -hmm. and the usual outcome is a dead snake 
followed 10 minutes later by a dead dog. So um, we'll, we'll try to avoid that where we can. So there is no real uh, purpose, you know, you, you don't have a preference as far as the code, as far as, like, you know, protection while they hunt or anything. It does. It it just matters the function of the dog. It's the function stuff. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. A, a, a good hunting dog is a good hunting dog, you know, whether he's got a short coat or whether he's got a broken coat or a, or, or a, or a rough coat, it doesn't make much difference. Okay. All right. <clears throat> and these are questions that I, I ask uh, people because of, I'm, it, it interests me because I've never lived a life, so, um, and I, I know it's a, a, a question that's asked a lot. Of people, what what does your uh, kennel setup look like, and what's the purpose of of that setup? Well, I, I like to I like to keep my dog. See, one thing with terriers is um, they're not particular uh, unsupervised. You can't you can't just leave them around the you know the backyard thinking everything's going to be honky dory. Right. These these dogs got a very very high prey drive. If you if you put them somewhere where they can get out, uh, they will. And uh, it's usually accompanied by heartache if they do. Mm-hmm. So the good thing about it is they'll get out and they'll kill all the pussy cats in the neighbourhood and bring them <laughs> to the back door. <laughs> <laughs> so, but uh, the, you, you need to contain the dogs properly and manage them properly. So mm-hmm. if you're used to having an English bulldog and you're going to get yourself a yak terrier, you're going to find you're going to have to get better fencing. Right. But if they can't get over it, they'll get under it, or they go through it. So you just need to be aware of it. Right. We're like we live on a on a farm where we've got big dog runs, and they don't really need to to chew a hole through a fence or dig under it to get out. Mm-hmm. But they do sometimes, you know. They, they you get an individual that wants to go and do his thing and uh, dig a hole and go for a bit of a tour around the district. <laughs> but, but in, in most cases, they're pretty. They're pretty mellow. If you give them, give them a good bit of exercise and feed them properly and socialise them properly, you find that you don't get many of those issues. But you need to understand if you've got a dog that's got a high hunt drive, you can't switch it off like you do a, a motor car or, mm-hmm. or a computer. You know, the dog needs to. Um, it needs to be managed properly. Right. So unless you unless you seriously want a dog, a performance dog, um, you got to make sure you get all your act together before you get one. Right, absolutely. And can you uh, talk about uh, this again? This is another question I ask everybody. Um, uh, can you talk about the, the specific diet that you feed your dogs, and, and what's the purpose behind that? Well, there's nothing really special about what I feed my dogs. It, I'm a big believer in, in in a raw sort of diet, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there's a lot of guys that'll tell you, "Oh, you got to feed your dog all this really good dry food, and it's going to be fantastic." And then six years later, all their teeth fall out because they've never chewed a bone in their life is mm-hmm. uh, an issue. So I think a good balanced diet, which includes good good old fashioned raw meat. After all, dogs are carnivores. We need we need to remember that. Mm-hmm. I feed I feed my dogs, you know, everything from from you know wild venison that we shoot right through to kangaroo meat, to um, to good quality dry food, to chicken. So the, it, you've got to simulate what's out there 
you know, in the field for dogs. You know, mm -hmm. if you look at what a wild dog eats when it's out there, there's no different to what you should be feeding your pet. Right. Don't overfeed them. You need to you need to feed them uh, in a way that's commensurate with the amount of energy that they expend and what it takes them to keep themselves warm. So if you overfeed the dog, you're not doing it any favours. And if you underfeed it, you're not doing any favours. But I'm a big believer in good raw raw feed for dogs, mm -hmm. the meat eaters. Um, and do you feed I, them? It upsets all these people that tell you, you know, oh, yeah, we've got a complete dog food in a, in, a, in a packet we can feed this dog. It just makes human life easier. It doesn't really help your dog a whole lot. No. no I, I understand that. And can you talk about how many times a day you do feed your dogs? Is it uh, once or twice? No, my, my dog only gets fed once a day. Uh-huh. Only what, once a day. And what's your philosophy behind that? Well, in in real terms, if you've got a, a, a for instance, will you say a wolf or a coyote, um, he eats when he can and mm -hmm. he's got to be able to find food. Sometimes that doesn't happen every day. You know? right. Sometimes we're lucky to eat once every two or three days. Mm -hmm. If I keep pumping food into that dog and sitting around doing nothing, what do I get? I get a fat, unhealthy dog. Mm -hmm. What I need is a fit, strong dog that's got a good, balanced diet and he gets enough to keep him in very, very good, fit, strong condition. If I give him too much, that's not going to happen. So you need to think about what you feed your dog, when you feed it, and how you feed the dogs. Mm -hmm. There's no two dogs that are the same. So even though they could be litter, brother, litter brothers or litter sisters, they've all, they've all got different needs and requirements. And you as the owner or the, or the person that's handling the dogs needs to be able to work out the best balance to feed that dog and when to feed it and how to feed it. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> you didn't really a question there, but... Uh, it's a it's a question that really hasn't got a single answer that would uh, cover all bases. You know, you got to feed your dog to keep it healthy and fit. Yeah. If you don't if you don't do that, you're not going to get the results you're looking for. Mm -hmm. Doesn't matter what you're doing with a dog. Right. Yeah. But I'll tell you one thing for for a start. If you have to do things to keep the prey drive alive in a dog, mm -hmm. you've got the wrong dog. Okay. Uh, that's pretty well how it works. Mm-hmm. If, that, if you need to, to fire that dog up to bring drive out in it, as far as I'm concerned, that dog, that should all be part of the deal. It should mm -hmm. be part of the package. That dog hasn't got any drive, has got no interest in, in, in hunting or no interest in closing with uh, other animals. Mm -hmm. uh, you've probably got the wrong dog. It's not particularly well bred. Um, you know, it's hard enough to train a good dog to get the best results. Uh, without worrying about a badly bred dog or a dog or getting getting good results from a dog that's not particularly well bred, mm -hmm. and yeah, this this is this subject creates a lot of argument within the hunting community. But uh, you know, anyway, there's a lot of analogies that are used. But one thing is, uh, with 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 any puppy that you get, you need to give it an opportunity to be just that, be a, be a puppy, be a little kid. Mm -hmm. Let it play and socialise it and expose it to as much positive stuff as you can. It, you don't need to take that dog out and get him fired up on game straight away. He just needs to be a puppy. You know? mm -hmm. 
you take him for walks, you introduce him to the environment, you protect him, that's all you need to do with that pup. Once he gets old enough and all those genetic things start to click in, you'll see what you got then. Mm -hmm. what, what is your morning and evening routine with your dogs? What are some of the things that that you do is, is to get them prepared and, and to keep them, uh, keep them fit? We, the, the working dogs have kept pretty fit just by getting out there doing their doing their job. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the others, it, it all depends on. It's like any it's like any athlete. They've all got different regimes. Mm -hmm. Give them an opportunity to go for a run in a large area, take them for a swim. You know, just even just playing catch or chasing a ball mm -hmm. is enough often times just to keep a dog, you know, fit mentally and physically. Uh, you don't need to to over-exercise a dog, but you need to give it an opportunity to to blow the cobwebs out and go for a bit of a run. Mm -hmm. If you look at what dogs do in the wild, 90% of the time spent sitting around doing nothing. Mm -hmm. You know, um, they'll, they'll, they'll walk and run in order to go and get food and uh, find mates and do stuff like that. But in most cases, where they get the opportunity, they just do the dog thing you know, and <laughs> <lay around. laughs> yeah yeah absolutely so but you, you do need to get you, you've got to give them an opportunity to, to 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 at least do something something physical every day it's the same as us we need to do something physical every day to keep in trim yep but I say if you don't use it you lose it right same, apl same applies to dogs yeah you, besides the Jake Terrier in the, in, in the coonhounds that you do have, what uh, dog breed that you have never owned uh, interests you right now that you th think would be uh, something that you might want to test out and, and, and see firsthand? Look, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a dog lover by nature. I love all sorts of dogs. Uh -huh. you know? I love all the versatile breeds, you know, all the, the, you know, the, you know, the German short hairs and the white hairs and the Monsterlanders and the Bracco Italianos and, and as a kid I used to have whippets and you know greyhounds and running dogs and for catching rabbits with um, I'm a fan of all dogs um, pretty well um, I'm getting too old now to start uh, you know bringing in different breeds and doing things it's just takes too, it takes too long to get it right right and, and uh, I don't know whether I've got everything that I'm doing right just at the moment I'm still working on it and it, sometimes it'll take you a lifetime to get it right maybe you never will so mm -hmm. um, as I say I, I don't care for dogs a crossbred mongrel rescue dog out of a out of a pound you know if he's a good dog to you he's a good dog you know and that's pretty well how it works you know I love all dogs yeah no I agree I agree um, do you have any? Do you have any uh, last words or anything that you'd like to convey? Well, well I, I don't. I, I don't think I'm going to the gallows, so I won't give him a last words. <laughs> what, what, what I will say is that look, it's good to see that there's some podcasts going on for for dogs, and mm -hmm. uh, it's good for people to to listen to as many different dog owners and breeders and handlers as they can to get a true picture of what's going on out there. Now, I don't, for one minute, profess to be the expert on Yark Terriers or for any other breed for that matter. Mm -hmm. 
sense that, that those dogs fit the bill for what the sort of thing that I do. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, as far as I'm concerned, um, they're going to be pretty hard to beat for for the stuff that we do with them. You know, they're, mm-hmm. they're great little dogs. But as I, as we said earlier, beauty is in the eyes of the beholder. You know? They're not they're not for everyone. Right. 